Again, I am here with my lovely co-host, lovely and talented, Sarah Lapsley. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. And uh, we are going to hang out for a little bit today. We um, are going to talk a little bit about what we did over the winter break, which is actually shamefully not much for me. But we can talk about some of the art we've consumed lately. Uh, we're going to talk uh, about the programming that we have coming up in the next few weeks. Sarah will be talking about uh, Zev Asher, who will be um, having uh, a tribute of his work played at Pacific Cinematheque, um, and he's passed away, yes? Yes, he passed away this year. Uh, this very year. Um, and then, uh, so that's happening on January 16th, and uh, we'll preview a few other things in that vein. Um, but... Why don't we, do we want to talk, uh, do we want to hit him with a bang with Zev right away? Is that a bang? Is that a bang? <laughs> it is if you hear uh, this track we have lined up. <laughs> um, so we are going to listen to uh, a little Japanese noise um, with vocals by Zev at the very end. Um, what are we listening we can, What are we, we listening to? ease them into yeah. the Japanese noise. Exactly. Um, but this is funny because I was preparing this kind of, you know, looking into Zev um, because there's at the Pacific Cinematheque, January 16th, there's a tribute to him. So he was a filmmaker and an avant-garde musician. So I knew him in the 90s. And when it sort of came through my inbox, I was like, oh, I have to do this because I knew Zev. And then I was feeling strange because I knew I knew him quite well and saw him often, but I didn't have any memories of him specifically. Like I knew he was always around and I think he dated my friend. And <laughs> so she was always phoning me like, Zim, were the nineties pretty Zim. crazy for you? Yeah. Sarah? Yeah. Crazy. Awesome. Um, you're a, you're a punk rocker. Yeah. They were pretty punk. Um, so it's like kind of getting to know somebody that's now passed away. And I've been feeling regretful that I didn't take more time. You know, I was so into my own dramas mm -hmm. uh, that I just didn't take the time to get to know him. But he was a super interesting guy. Uh, so I'll tell you more about his films and, and him. But this morning I was looking for some music. So he was in a band, Nimrod. Um, that was one of his projects. That was very into Japanese noise rock. He spent a lot of time living in Japan. Um, and so Nimrod was sort of based out of Vancouver, but they traveled all over Asia. They traveled to Croatia. Um, and I saw them play. And when I saw this clip, a memory finally came back to me of Zev. So he's a singer in Nimrod with this bass player, Tim Olive. And I saw them perform, I guess that it might have been um, a club. I can't remember what club. But they had this uh, Japanese porn star, Mayuko Hiro playing with them and she's in this clip that we're looking at right now so i remember her the most she's where she is working those pedals like uh very much like a porn star yeah you can kind of tell actually she's like an snm porn star That's so hot. i could not so it just came back to my mind because i've never forgotten her this beautiful japanese woman uh, and she would wear, come in on stage in a kimono and then she'd take the kimono off and she was like on nude mm-hmm and she had this hot wax, this candle, and she did this whole ritual where she, like, dribbled hot wax over herself. And it was quite unforgettable. <laughs> and then, you, But you forgot it. <laughs> but I did forget it. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But she also gave me this little origami scorpion, oh, which I still have, oh. and I've, I've kept it all these years, so I'm going to go home and look at it and get it out and put it out to remind me of her. Um, so I think she's in her 50s now, like living in Japan. I don't know if she's still a porn star. Well, you're back in on the 22nd, so maybe you have some long-distance phone calls to get. Yeah, I should get her on the phone and maybe watch some clips in yeah. the meantime. And, I mean, the tribute is... Uh, the program um, is on the 16th at Pacific Cinematheque. Um, and actually, if you go to uh, our Facebook page, there is a post, a share of Sarah Lapsley's photo and uh, the, from Pacific Cinematheque, I assume. And uh, if you like the arts report and you leave a comment uh, about either Zev or your favorite musician slash filmmaker or musician slash artist of some kind you know make it a little bit personal um tell us a little bit about uh that experience for you we will uh, choose our favorite and give you a couple tickets show us that you're listening yeah comment face- on our facebook page facebook.com slash arts report welcome to the future yeah, so th- there's three um, his of his films that will be playing. So it it just said um, he shocked audiences around the world with a couple of his documentary films. Um, he died in Montreal on August seventh, twenty thirteen, at the age of fifty. So that's pretty young. Um, and he was diagnosed with leukemia, I guess, in his forties, and then like went through pretty grueling treatment the last five years of his life. So he lived here in the 90s, made many friends here. He was also a volunteer at the Cinematheque, which is why they're having uh, the tribute. So he was into noise music, um, and Nimrod was his noise band, and Ruffage. And Ruffage, I think, and or Nimrod were on Scratch Records. Um, His first feature-length documentary was called What About Me? And that's playing... um, at the Cinematheque, 6.30 p.m. January 16th, The Rise of the Nihilism, Nihilist Spasm Band. Um, so it's an exuberant documentary which lovingly pro- to- profiles the Nihilist Spasm Band, the trailblazing avant-garde noisemakers um, from London, Ontario. Uh, they formed in 1965 and toiled for decades in obscurity um, and stayed together long enough to be rediscovered um, in the 1990s as pioneers of a genre they're still together today so yeah and then um, at 8pm is another one he made um, his final documentary features uh, uh, He, I guess he went to Shanghai and so he made this film Subcultural Revolution Shanghai when he was undergoing treatment for leukemia um, and so it's about a band, Torturing Nurse, a ferocious noise and performance art band from Shanghai. The young musicians are part of a major underground art scene in the Chinese city. The barrage of images in this visually arresting documentary is characteristic of Zev's film work. And then at 9.30 is the shocking film. It's his second documentary. It's called Casa Street, The Art of Killing a Cat. So it caused a major commotion um, about a case where three young men were criminally prosecuted for videotaping the, the killing of a cat. Um, and I guess the, the people who did that intended it as a rather misguided art project, um, intended to protest our society's mass slaughter of animals. So um, he filmed it, and then act- animal rights activists targeted Zev's documentary uh, without having seen it. So it's 
it, it says here, Asher's film is likely to leave viewers eager to discuss the limits of artistic freedom and the extension of human rights to animals. Plays like the punk B-side of an Errol Morris film. So that looks good. And I think he did sort of a final documentary after that that was never completed, sort of documenting his dying and death process. Um, it said... He was, he was living in Japan filming Subcultural Revolution Shanghai. After a relapse of his leukemia, he was obliged to return to Montreal, um, had a stem cell transplant, um, and his constant ordeal and medical treatments were the subject of his final and incomplete documentary video work called Zev Asher, GVH, um, which is called Graft versus Host Disease. That's, that's what it stands for, because I guess he had some kind of reaction to his transplant. Um, but he was a really interesting guy. And like I said, I, I feel like I missed out getting to know him at the time. He was a very quiet guy, very cool, observant fellow, um, well loved by his family and a true artist, like just passionate, interested, curious about life. And he did a lot in his short life, meant more than a lot of people, more than, I certainly have, so he's an inspiration. Zev, I get to know you now. I will see your films January 16th at the Pacific Cinematheque. So you can just check it out at thecinematheque.ca. Um, Subcultural Revolution, a tribute to Zev Asher. And uh, win some tickets on Facebook, you know, uh, facebook.com slash artsreport. And you know what we're going to do? We are going to... Turn up the noise, turn up the volume, and we're going to listen to... We're just hitting the vocals from Zev Asher. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, We'll Megan. be back in a few. You're listening to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9. Uh, this is Nimrod with Mayu, Mayuko Hino, CCCC, um, which... Japanese uh, porn star. Is Japanese porn star. And, and what was CCCC? Was her, uh, a band? CCC is another Japanese noise band. That, oh. That's her current band, I, I think. I see. So yeah. this is live um, at uh, Okaya's Choral Madison um, on CITR 101.9. We're going to be playing part two. Thank <laughs> you. 
It's only a dream. 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 Power Chord. Every Saturday from 1 to 3 p.m. Here on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. Dance Horizons is holding a dance-a-thon fundraiser on January the 19th, 2014 from 1pm to 7pm in the UBC Sub Ballroom. This event is planned in order to help Dance Horizons in providing affordable dance classes and creating a welcoming dance community for everyone. Also, part of the proceeds will go to the UBC Red Cross to support Children of War. This is sponsored by CITR. Join CITR's Nardwar the Human Serviette live as he talks and plays interview clips from his audio and video vault. The event is free and takes place on Friday, January 17th from noon to 2 p.m. in room 212A of the AMS Student Union Building at UBC. For more information, visit citr.ca or nardwar.com. Bless up! Nardwar! Isn't Nardwar having um like a special event coming up? Yes, like soon. That's what we uh, just played. So, um, the Video Vault on January seventeenth. So I think it's the fourth edition, um, and it's basically a uh, it's basically a compilation of some of his like best of and some new stuff and he kind of does this amazing presentation you do not want to miss it it's on uh it's at january 17th it's on campus it's a fourth version it's totally free it's at noon uh the student union building uh room 212a so uh check out the official um information at citr.ca or nardwar.com there's a, a facebook event with um so yeah, so it's going to be great. It's 12 to 2, uh, totally free to come and go, and it will be awesome. Um, Snoop Dogg, Jean-Cachin, Lady Gaga, Guar. I mean, these are all people that come together under the in the home that is Nardwar. The Snoop Dogg clips are r- truly incredible. Yeah. He's amazing. He's Snoop a, Dogg. Yeah. Um, their relationship is actually very heartwarming. They're it like is. friends now. Yeah. Oh, it's really nice. I know. He's just the... I mean, you don't get cooler than Snoop Lion. He's Snoop Lion now. I know. Well, I, I'm, I wonder if it's going to be like a, a Puff Daddy thing where like he just changes it and, you know, keep it fresh. Yeah. Because Puff Daddy never really changed any of his M.O. But I kind of like it like it's like he's more evolved now. He's spiritual. He's a lion. It sort of has religious connotations or mm-hmm. courage, like a dog. Yeah. You know, you're just like a dog, you know? Yeah. He's, I mean, he's also, you've been around for so long that... Uh, it would be almost kind of, it's kind of almost, not expected, but it's important to 
to keep evolving and you maybe you're just not like that into your brand anymore mm-hmm. you're like do you do you need do you feel trapped to do the same thing because people think snoop dogg is a certain thing well guess what i'm snoop line now i can do whatever i want yeah there's a rumor about snoop dogg that mm-hmm. he has kind of a booty call line uh-huh i i i feel like i can believe that rumor <laughs> sure so like it was some friend like a friend of a friend who got either the number or was called on the line and went to his hotel but he just wanted to spoon and snuggle Aww. isn't that nice like you can call me snoop lion i would totally spoon snuggle. And snuggle we both well yeah at the same time that will be like the most adorable threesome ever <laughs> What was your, you guys had a threesome? Yeah, we just, we both snuggled with Snoop Lion. Yeah. Let's make, so Narvarl, maybe he'll facilitate that for us. (laughs) He'll film it. (laughs) But one of my fondest memories, things I do remember, is uh, in the early 90s, it must have been about 1993, here at UBC, Timothy Leary spoke Mm-hmm. Just a, a year or two before he died, and Nardwar did a big interview with him. Mm-hmm. And it's on um, hit one of his videos. And I was there as part of the interview and hung around with Timothy Leary, and it was really awesome. Do you I, know Timothy Leary? Um, I recognize that name. Well, Why am I blanking on that? Because it's before your time. It might be because Am I dating myself the other way? You're dating yourself the other way. Timothy Leary was a famous, um, he was a professor um, at, was it Berkeley? Anyways, he was huge. He oh, was yeah, like a huge acid back. guy. Right. Yeah. Okay, he, no, you know what? I, I, was, I was like, is that the drugs guy? But I didn't want to be dismissive. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and he, you know, the tune in, drop out, mm-hmm. turn on kind of guy. Um, yeah, tune tune in, tune off, drop out, or something to that effect. <laughs> I remember things. Tune I know in, things. Turn on, on turn, turn off. off. Uh, turn. He has a new. There's like different like phases to that process. Yeah, he, but he. I mean, he did a lot of writing, and you know, he was sort of a visionary thinker, but it didn't have much weight really. He. You know, he started off as a like a legitimate professor of sort of philosophy. But once he got into acid, he kind of really tripped right out into left field. And he wrote books about immortality. So when he wrote in the 60s, he felt by this time, right, the 2010s, we'd mm-hmm. have an immortality pill and we'd all live forever and stuff like that. But that never happened. He never li- lived to saw it. I'm kind of glad. <laughs> I'm pretty glad. I'm too. pretty glad we don't have an immortality pill. But you might know him better as Winona Ryder's step or godfather. God, that makes sense. Yeah, but check him out. Google him. He's huge. But yeah. maybe other young people don't know him either. Well, no, no, I mean, I definitely, like, that name was definitely familiar, and it just, I'm my brain's not working. Um, but, you know, uh, it's funny because the Arts Report has actually done a lot of um, specials and stuff on, well, t- at least two on, like, Shambhala, specifically on drug culture. And uh, there's a really interesting event coming up that... Uh, you can win tickets to on our Facebook slash spacefic.com slash arts report. Um, speaking of drugs, which we <laughs> usually are. Um, yeah, over at uh, the fire hall starting next week um, is um, TJ Daw of Vancouver Fringe Festival fame. Um, not so much fortune, I think, because, you know, theater. Um, but uh, they uh, they are going to be talking about... Uh, the show called they're going to be doing the show called medicine which is a story um and experience uh with ayahuasca tj's 
which is, I mean, I'm sure I'm not doing it justice, uh, tippity tappity typity, um, but uh, it's basically um, they have like sal, you know how they have drugs like salvia and LSD. These are like very psychedelic. Um, ayahuasca is this kind of peyote like it's like a substance a root um basically that causes vivid hallucinations mind expanding hallucinations um but uh it is has this really like psychotropic it's from the amazon um and it, it is used a lot in kind of experimental therapy group therapy like um ecstasy is and lsd but the interesting thing is that ayahuasca is actually kind of it was it's used by shaman and it's shamanic and my understanding is that it has caused people have reported group hallucinations and group dreaming wow so it's one of these drugs that kind of speaks to the idea of a shared consciousness Mm -hmm. and um so yeah so it's a really really interesting and it's it's sold out last year there was two two weeks of holdover and it all sold out he's an amazing speaker and on the he's uh, pretty hot too he's he's a cute guy he's definitely a cute guy and he um so it'll be a pleasure to watch and um we uh so it starts on the 14th and we uh are going to be checking that out on the 14th there is a talk back by um dr uh, gabor mate who's a canadian physician and a public speaker and he um is the author of his most recent book in the realm of hungry ghosts close encounters with addiction and he's done a lot of work in the downtown east side um with uh the insight as well as family practice and palliative care so he has like this really broad range of experience um with drugs as a physician so he's going to be doing like a question and answer after mm-hmm. anyway so it's really it's a really cool kind of unique event yeah it's interesting because i've seen i mean gabor mate is like sort of an internationally known Mm -hmm. speaker writer Mm -hmm. he's very charismatic people kind of fall at his feet i've heard him speak um and i don't know like for i because i'm a therapist Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i've had a wild life but i guess i've become kind of stodgy like (laughs) i don't support these hallucinogenic drug therapies yeah so i've argued with other therapists about it Mm -hmm. like it's just, it's not for me. Yeah. Like, but uh, people love it just by yeah. the, the interest in the show and people will line up for these therapies. Well, it's a super, it's also, I think, um, here's the thing. Here's my kind of, we don't, we don't have to get into an argument, but I think it's a really <laughs> interesting discussion. One of the things I think that's interesting to think about is the connection between drugs and therapy because drugs are used in therapy, um, uh, psychiatry. Yeah. And so those are already being used to manipulate mood to the benefit of the patient. Um, And I'm kind of on the fence about that to a certain Mm -hmm. degree. Because, like, for example, SSRI therapy has had less conclusive evidence about its beneficial and, like, actual medical um, effects than something like LSD and ecstasy or similar. Like, SSRIs are still a contested um, I mean, it's not a medicine, but it's like, you know, you're using them in therapy. So there's there's a lot of really controversial use of drugs because 
I mean, we're not allowed to use humans as guinea pigs anymore. Right. Yeah. Darn, eh? I'm, I'm not, <laughs> so it's, it's it's hard to do the science on this. It's really yeah. like, what are patients reporting back? What is the placebo effect? Mm-hmm. What is actually medically happening versus the talk therapy? Because you're using it with talk mm-hmm. therapy. And a lot of these kind of psychotropics, um, my understanding, and I'm sure you have like done a lot more research on this, but you, so you can correct me hopefully, but my understanding is that it's a combination of openness, like ecstasy is often used in group therapy and like marriage therapy counseling. And also um, with addiction, you have a, a cycle of depression and chemical that it can be broken. And like that's kind of the root of the mm-hmm. addiction. Um, but I don't know if you want to speak to that. Well, I think, I mean... Addiction is very complex. Oh, and yeah. Trauma and is very complex. Not as understood as like, pe- people in yeah. the common kind of parlance think it's totally understood, yeah. but it's not. I wouldn't say SSRIs aren't as well supported as LSD or uh, like experimental mm-hmm. Well, it's drugs. definitely out of uh, fashion. Well... Because they did a lot of research. I mean, there's a big placebo effect that mm-hmm. they've discovered, so that's important. The biggest effect they found is for... Um, like antidepressant drugs mm-hmm. combined with therapy. There's been very little research done mm-hmm. on LSD, ecstasy, and this kind of thing for mm-hmm. trauma, although those studies are going on. Yeah, yeah. In the long term, we don't know. Like, mm-hmm. people might have short-term positive effects from doing a group therapy with ayahuasca, mm-hmm. but we don't know 10 years down the road mm-hmm. if it's going to stick. But, I mean, it may. And mm-hmm. then when you look at a positive effect, is it, you're right, is it because of the group process? Yeah, That's that's extra got some extra sizzle because everyone's high on drugs or is it the actual drugs like or is it a combination like nobody really knows the mechanisms behind the treatments are complex people are complex and i think ultimately what you can only say is everybody's different yeah and some people for example may not because of their personal histories there may be approaches that may not work specifically for them maybe Mm -hmm. they've tried everything maybe it's a hail mary yeah so i think it's a really obvious hey it got us talking about it yeah i can't know and we like i think both of us are really into these topics so i can't imagine you know if if if, even if you're not already really into these topics like we are um please um check out this show because it's going to start a conversation um uh, just as a an added tidbit on tj um he is direct he directed the stage adaptation of mark Laren young's uh never shoot a stampede queen um and featured ryan beale which is a huge friend of the show and um that book won a leacock medal award winner and um mark Laren young is also the author of um oh what is his latest memoir it's like a memoir on his on his time as a a a student magician touring rock and roll magician so you should check that out it's really really good Uh, we have reviewed it on the show um so you can go back and find that um so that is coming up next week also coming up tonight uh speaking of now we did a little psa for the upcoming uh some dance events that are happening in town and the next uh dance event i'm gonna see is tonight um peggy baker coalesce at um the fire hall art center they have an incredibly like dance heavy um 
incredibly dance heavy season this season and this is a little bit of music from um piano quartet which is one of peggy's uh most latest pieces um and uh coalesce is one of the pieces that is being um performed from 2010 and so uh, that is happening tonight uh it's kind of like a double bill um with um another piece and this is um this is uh, an interview with uh, Peggy Baker about piano quartet in the background and coalesce and armor an audio action tour is uh, 8th to the 11th at the fire hall so um we have um a talk back on thursday january 9th and they are going to be also doing some master classes which have already started as well and it's basically kind of like a uh she does this kind of avant-garde choreography that i think uh, will be really really interesting so i will uh, blog a little bit about my um immediate reaction tonight and tomorrow and then i will talk more fully because i have never encountered peggy before because i'm not a dance expert by any sense of the imagination so um i i don't really know uh, what to say it looks really interesting because i always love stuff that's multimedia but we will this being i guess the media of the body and the the audio you're a multimedia queen i'd like to think so but i think it's just you and me to think <laughs> that but i feel like our our opinions are pretty important <laughs> So it's they fine. definitely. I mean, are. we do have the mics. We right? do. So We're the ladies with the mics. Um, don't you forget it? Yeah. So um, we will uh, be talking more about that coming up. Um, so that's kind of what's coming up. Uh, we have. Um, Let's see, we're going to be doing Club Push. We're going to talk about that in a moment. We talked about Zev Asher and Peggy Baker and Medicine. Um, we will be having a review, of course, that next week um, as well, because I'll be going to the 14th show. Um, so that's kind of what's coming up uh, on the show for the next few weeks. Um, what's been going on with you? How was your holidays? <sighs> Sarah, did you get to, did you do, a, I didn't do a lot of art over the holidays. It's a bit of a dry time for art. It's like everything's kind of yeah. Christmas themed. Yeah. It was a dry time in every possible way in my <laughs> life. Um, so I didn't do much. Like I just, I worked, I did some Christmas parties that I had to do some family stuff, uh, mostly huddled under a blanket and read self-help books. That's, That's kind nice. of my favorite thing to do. What did you get any, um, did you have any enlightenments? From your self-help books? Or oh, was God. It- Every day, yes. <laughs> you know what I did, which was fun? I went for Christmas, uh, like a Christmassy lunch with Matt, the host of the mm-hmm. Australian Canadian Music Show. And he did, my, he did my, yes, Stranded, the Australian Canadian Music Show. And he did my Vedic astrology. So that's East Indian astrology. Okay. So that means everyone's a different sign. Yeah. And so then I had this epiphany that I'm, like, not the same person as I was. So I've, like, had a complete transformation. I've totally changed. <laughs> I'm, like, really mellow now. Oh, I was okay. really hyper before. Just, like, over the, Just over like the overnight, holidays. Over the holidays. Just because your signs changed. I'm more goth. I'm kind of mellow, kind of sullen now. That's, and how is that feeling? Good. Yeah. You're, like, really working it out, kind of, like, it's a new new set of clothes. Yeah. I'm kind of sexier and moodier. You know, I wasn't, listen, I wasn't going to say anything. What? But just between you and me, you do seem sexier and moodier. Just I'm, like. I'm totally sexier <laughs> and moodier. I know. No, do, and and uh, uh, are there anything, is there anything coming up that you are, you know, interested in? in Jonathan Darlington. Mm. 
I'm waiting for May. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. Oh, is it? Yes. Yes. Is it? It is. Mm. Um, but um, what am I looking forward to? Well, I'm hosting the 22nd. Yeah. So I'm doing some club push stuff. There's some stuff on the Carl Young Society that I want to do. A photographer um, is presenting on that. So, yeah, I do want to see the show at the Vancouver Art Gallery. Um, it's the Charles Edenshaw show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he's the, So the Edenshaws are a family of Haida artists. So there's a, they have a long lineage of Edenshaws going back to, like, the early 1900s. Um, of, of Haida artists and chieftains. And so it's a big show of uh, Aboriginal art. So I'm looking forward to that. Right. I saw that. Um, so that's uh, happening through February 2nd. Yes. So you're going to get on it. Time. Oh, I still have a couple weeks. Oh, you yeah. know what? No. February 2nd, 2014 is this year. Yeah. I am. Um, I, I almost corrected myself and I'm like, oh, no, it's next year. And then I'm like, oh, my God, it's 2014 right it now. Is. I know. Who would have? Thought. I would have thought yeah. that like one year comes after the next year <laughs> in a numerical way. But um, yeah, those are like priceless pieces of jewelry and carvings. They're known for those, um, uh, what are the argolite carvings? Oh, okay. It's like a black stone or a very hardened kind of wood. So really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, there's so many events, you know, it's crazy. I really wanted to go see the uh, to the arrival agency party at the Hotel Vancouver. I'll bet that sold it was that sold out. It was out? so sold out. Like yeah. by the time I sort of got myself together to get the ticket, it was sold out and I couldn't go. I would have gone. I'm excited about the Fox Theater. The Fox that's Theater is going to be 100% going ahead, right? I that was that's settled. Oh yeah, and yeah. that was one of the highlights of my arts report last year was interviewing Tom and Selmy about the Fox Theater. Yeah, and I think I definitely saw uh, some some stuff online about uh, the because because it's one of the last it was one of the last adult theaters that's actually up and running in Canada mm-hmm. and like the Pacific Northwest and I mean it I mean I'm going to take a long shot and say anywhere because it's not in vogue anymore and not necessary really if you yeah. think about it I mean there are things where I like you know uh, I went to revisit an arts classic the Bill, Big Lebowski. And I could have watched that at home on my TV. I think we have two copies, but it's fun to go see in person. Mm-hmm. For me, personally, this is just me. Porn, not really the same situation. Yeah. Um, I feel like most people would go to that in the theater because they didn't really have a choice otherwise. <laughs> but uh, now you can have it in your home theater. Yeah, they kind of died. Uh, yeah, and because- I'm kind of on the fence about it because I have certain, like, I don't, it's not something I ever use and it was kind of seedy and I would always make, first of all, I'm not allowed to make the, I can't make the jokes anymore when I walk by about right. going in, which is like my favorite. <laughs> but also, um, you know, that's actually kind of an interesting, this kind of strange gray area of sexual expression and like it's private, but it's public. And so it's kind of like, I, I think there's going to be a lot of, I bet there's uh, books about it coming out in the mm-hmm. next few years as like they, the last of them die out. There's yeah. going to be like, and then there's going to be a revival. <laughs> well, yeah, we sort of talked about that, this idea of gentrifying, mm-hmm. right? And these these guys, for whatever reason, found solace in attending. And uh, now they're kind of driven out. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. And there's a, you know, maybe that's where you get your kicks. You know, maybe the public thing is your kicks and it was actually a way to kind of be public mm-hmm. without, and private at the same yeah, time. Yeah, like without doing it like at a bus stop. Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I, for example, really, really love burlesque. I perform burlesque and I see burlesque and, um, uh, it's the neo burlesque movement is very um, feminist, and uh, you know you have these mixed crowds, and it's, a, it's a kind of like a, a saucy but classy event. And but uh, our our golden beaver, our Canadian legend, um, who is um, oh wait oh wait uh, Judith Stein. Mm-hmm. Um, is an amazing performer. She comes by and does the festival every year, and she's from like up north, like Powell River or something to that degree. I that don't quote me on that because I don't think that's correct. But you know, like northern BC, and um, she, you know, she and many, many like of the even you know in books I've read in books and stuff. The older stars are like, yeah, no, it wasn't so classy. Like you know, you a lot of people were doing it just at the age where it was basically stripping. Mm-hmm. So like, there's this kind of thing where. It's not always as glamorous as... Yeah. But I think it's going to come back in a, like, a nice glamour. There's going to be a neo-porn theater. This is my prediction. <laughs> neo-porn theaters. It's going to be very classy. It's going to be like a classy like S&M club. You know how like there can be classy S&M clubs and classy fetish clubs and it's very like rich? It's going to be like that, but for no, porn theaters. I don't know that. You don't know that? Mom, I don't know that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I live in New West. I'm a big fan of New West. Yeah. And they have a pole dancing mm-hmm. studio. So they don't really teach burlesque, but they teach pole dancing mm-hmm. and lap dancing and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I always walk by and I'm like kind of looking in the window like maybe I could but be But you're a pole so goth dancer. and sexy and laid back now. I know. This is I your new thing. I can't do the pole. The pole it, it takes a lot of core line. strength. Yeah. Well, you don't have to do it for anyone else but yourself. Yeah, but no. The lap dancing, yes, for sure. You're like, listen, lap take- dancing is just practical. That's yeah, just a practical just skill practical. to have. Po- pole dancing is totally impractical. Like, you don't <laughs> have a is, pole at That home. is true. Um, you could go to one of the many, like, uh, pole strip aerobics, stripper sizing, pole aerobics. Which reminds me of, because uh, we talked about Mayuko Hino, who mm-hmm. is the Japanese porn star, and I saw a stripper, must have been about 20 years old, so I was, it was like 1992, this Italian, uh, she was a stripper from Italy who had become a politician. She sat in the government in Italy. What was her name? Ciccolina. And she did this hilarious routine. Um, and she sang little lip sync to little songs. And yeah, it was like the first stripper I'd ever seen. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, mad props to strippers. You have a hard job. But let's talk about books because we're really book nerds. So this, is, so this was going to be my segue. Um, centered around content warnings this is a content warning centered around bush so we've talked a little bit about uh we've talked about uh drugs from the bush the amazonian bush uh we talked about we implied bush when we were talking about strippers and i want to talk about a book by Catherine bush while we listen to a little kate bush i'm nailing it um you nailed it so so i read a couple of uh a couple of titles over over the holidays um one uh, i finally got to bradcran's um Ink, which came out forever ago. Like I have a stack of books to review, um, and it's it's a little harder than reviewing a movie or, or a, a, a event because you know you have to read it. Um, so uh, I read uh, the two kind of main titles that I'm finished that I read over the holidays um, were two: Catherine Bush Accusation and Atomic Storybook Ed McDonald. Um, so Catherine Bush. Uh, wrote accusation uh she is a uh 
Goose Lane author, uh, so that's from out east, and she, you know, she's a well acclaimed author. Um, her second novel, The Rules of Engagement, was a bestseller. She's gotten uh, Notable Book of the Year and Best Books of the Year, a Trillium Award for her third novel, Claire's Head. Um, lots of great things said about her. I actually didn't do a lot of research on her, and here's why because I didn't like the book that much. And I feel like I, it's really hard, um, and I, I'm, when you read reviews of something and, like, the person's very acclaimed, if you didn't like the book, it's like, now I feel like I'm being convinced to like the book. So I'm just going to, and, um, and I'm sure many of her novels are extremely successful, but I just want to focus on this one. Um, Accusation is the story of a journalist, and this journalist, um, has dealt with her own accusations in the past and she is now uh investigating some accusations so her accusations were that um when she was younger you know like college aged um someone at the y accused her of stealing her wallet and then impersonating her and using her credit card and stuff so uh you know like racking up the credit card and uh she went to trial and she uh demanded like she proclaimed her innocence because in that case usually you take a plea and get a little community service or nothing so probation right so she's like no i didn't do it it wasn't me um her she could not and this is a theme in the book she could not um use an alibi because her alibi was a man who um did not want to be identified so she was kind of having an affair um, and her partner throughout most of the book is a, is a married man with his own reasons for being an affair. And they're, and they're, and they're good reasons. You know, he has a, he has an ill wife and et cetera, et cetera. But like, so this is, this is her accusation. Now the accusation that she's investigating, um, is from the hands of, uh, Raymond Renault. And he is a, and this is all fictional, by the way, he is a, uh, Ethiopian, uh, man, like Canadian, Montreal, Ethiopian man who, uh, decides to, no, he's Montreal. He's, he's half black, but he's from Montreal and he, uh, is traveling around the world working in like children's organizations and he starts the circus in Ethiopia and the circus comes to Montreal. Um, she passes off his information to her arts journalist friend and she's like, Oh, it was a great circus. It was lovely. And she passes this name off to her arts journalist friends who starts doing a movie on him. And it's this beautiful circus of these children and the children are tumblers and they are street kids and they, you know, they have no other way to earn money and he puts a roof over their head. And then an accusation occurs about, of course, as one would expect sexual inappropriateness. So, she starts investigating and and that's kind of i mean ultimately that's the plot she investigates it things come to light and at no point is there really a clear idea that there was specific wrongdoing he's associated with people who have been proven to have done wrongdoing with these children he you know is maybe a little affectionate with them he lost his job at one school for driving a kid home which is in itself a fireable offense even if nothing happened so it's like the muddiness now the plot itself is 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 interesting, but my, I had a couple of issues with it. First of all, there's like it keeps being brought up that she kind of like knows what he's feeling. She's like, "Well, not as bad, but I know what it's like to be falsely accused." And I'm like, "Well, this is like," and this happens throughout the event. The overemphasis on her issues as like this middle class white professional woman 
in comparison with the issues of these young street kids and this guy who's been accused of pedophilia, basically, or um, or sexual abuse, and um, the issues of this not-for-profit they're trying to start. And it's kind of like, uh, also, she's an immigration journalist. She used to be... Um, she used to do arts, but now she does. No, she used to do immigration um, in a more hard-hitting sense, uh, and and like foreign journalism. And now she's doing domestic immigration. And all the examples of the stories, and remember, this is fiction, so it could be anything. Are all like studying the violence of immigrants, and over and over again, there's just these little parts that like it's a it's a fairly enjoyable plot, but like it uh consistently it kind of seems to put its foot in this like racial insensitivity or cultural Mm -hmm. maybe cultural sense Mm -hmm. insensitivity and just um ultimately is a very very unsatisfying conclusion um the blurbs and i think the kind of stated within the work the intent of the book is to talk about you know, accusation and the power of truth and, and he said, she said, and, and what, do, what, do, what do we think when a, um, when a, uh, an accusation like this is, is made and, um, the truth can never really be known, et cetera, et cetera. And these are actually murky, interesting issues, but there's a couple of things that don't really get talked about that much. Don't get fleshed out. Um, they don't really ever touch really on the nature of truth. They don't really touch on her, um, repeated like connections with married men as a way to kind of distance herself from actually connecting Mm. they don't really go into journalistic ethics like there's no real discussion of like what her they talk about what her emotional what she emotionally wants to do and they talk about um what um she kind of thinks her her journalistic ethics are and there are so many opportunities to actually really, really engage with it, but it keeps becoming kind of about her emotional journey. It always comes back to her emotional journey. And this is a um, a way to have people much like in it, like it wants to be a detective novel, which is often about character description rather than character like delving. Um, and combined with kind of a philosophical, combined with a bit of a journalistic Canadian bent it it's muddled and it anyway it it has some issues and and the only reason that i kind of go into it so much is that i've read um read and reviewed other novels like this that have the same issue um, one of which being um uh that i've reviewed on the show before and and it it tends to be unlike first novel syndrome which is where it's really good but there's just too much and it's like that's three novels like one at a time i know you might not get to write another one because you never know right it's like putting out your first album it's like this is it. This is my shot. I have all this material. This is kind of like I wanted more. I wanted more. She has this combination of having sentences that are like a whole paragraph long. Oh. Not a paragraph that is a sentence, which is bold, but the, okay. the vice versa where it's like a, you know, it just goes on and on. And I have to like reread it. You, I could not read this while I was like having a drink or anything. <laughs> I like had to pay attention to what was happening and not in a good way. And then, and with like... It's like, oh, his yellowish shirt or the yellowish sun came through the clouds. And I'm like, um, the attention to contemplation and the attention to detail just wasn't there. And so I just wasn't sucked into these characters. And I wasn't, I didn't, so what? Is the question I kept thinking. You know, I'm not really intrigued by what's happening. So um, the other reason that I go, again, I go into it so much is that these novels tend to be presented as very like kind of, 
it's earthy and it's dark and it's 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 important it's an important novel but i really do think that to do that you have to be a little bit more outside the box like for example um and this is why i think it's an interesting um comparison is that uh, atomic story book by ed mcdonald who is the author of spat the dummy which i also really 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 liked um and it's from a super local anvil press who are always putting out really good work so i'm a bit biased so because i see anvil and i haven't liked everything they've ever put out but i'm, I'm usually pretty solid it's going to be an interesting read and atomic storybook it weaves together the stories of oh half a dozen or so characters there's two or three that show up over and over again and then there's a few that like have one chapter that's from their point of view and then their story is revol- is resolved when they show up from a third person point of view in another person's narrative and i love that style of storytelling if you like when you get the actual narrative of what occurred through different people's points of view and you have to kind of put it together or rather those pieces are revealed as the story goes on and you're like oh i see what happened there um it's it's a really well put it's a way of doing uh, it in atomic storybook the reason it's called atomic storybook you are introduced with a very surreal first chapter it does it does become a little more traditional very surreal first chapter about the main character the main narrator owen and Owen is on a spaceship. Um, we're listening to Kate Bush, The Central World, which I think uh, is a little bit about this is about this atomic storybook. But he, he's, uh, he has lived, uh, they put him through three lives, um, three lived experiences, two from the past, uh, two from the past and his own. And then they ask him a riddle. And that actually doesn't have a lot to do with the point per se, rather than um, aesthetically it keeps coming back to this riddle. And these small stories that owen writes these very very short one paragraph little stories that they do set typeset off separately in the in the book and throughout throughout the story he and his friends um go off into different circles and those circles overlap and they come back to each other but all of these people like uh, the character in Accusation, all of these people um, are are searching for their own truth. And none of them are particularly reliable. Because after about four chapters with Owen, and he's talking about his friends and his girlfriend and his experiences, you get a chapter from his girlfriend's point of view. And she sees things a little differently. He's like, he's a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he she uh she has a, a whole different and she has secrets that come out over time and he has secrets that come out over time um most of the book it's presented that this alien story this alien narrative is real it's so it's got this fantastical element there is a, a doctor called dr wise who uses uh basically just g- gives everyone who comes to him this red this generic red pill and like is is maniacal and he's like i'm gonna experiment on you so this is a there's a little interesting aside for you in there (laughs) but um and he goes on to like run a mental ward and that's a plot point and it's just this surrealist coming together this like tapestry that kind of gets more and more complicated but at the same time as more detail is added the picture becomes more crisp and more clear and less muddy so it's um it's a real example of how a more maybe abstract or kind of surrealist way of approaching, um, and it's not highly surreal. I mean, it has um, plot and characters and chronology, etc. But how that can actually be a better approach 
to talking about these kind of larger, more abstract concepts than something that's so direct, because it's actually not married to a plot. Um, they can shift perspective. It shifts um, style to a certain degree. Um, it has this whole digression where one, in one of Owen's past lives, he has a uh, a schizo like a he's in a mental institution. And he's having a schizophrenic break, and his per and his um, his co. I patient? guess, yeah, his co-patient um, is the son of Albert Einstein, and there's a whole story about Albert Einstein mm -hmm. and like the dirty, like the dirty secrets of his past. Because in another of Owen's um, lie, in o when before he was a mental patient in this past life, he was a friend of Albert Einstein, and then Albert Einstein talks about Freud, and it's just like you get all these different perspectives on these kind of figures and ideas and concepts that you would kind of, Albert Einstein is like almost a character at this point in Freud and we have ideas about him and this really creates a whole new kind of truth, emotional truth mm -hmm. around these characters. Einstein's son did have schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. Ed Edward? Yeah. I think so he yeah. uses like real events and real ideas um, and there's a lot of uh, really, really interesting um it's like a, a good version of one of those movies where like everyone comes together at the end and knows each other, but at but they all live separate lives in the film, but like not annoying mm -hmm. in the way that that is. Love actually, come on, get out of my face. Love actually, Megan, uh, you're brilliant. <laughs> you, I work with you because you read fiction. Like I only read nonfiction, and I love nonfiction. And 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 but this was this came like these these just these lovely little and not so lovely gems just show up at my door, and I think. The reason I love talking about books that I don't like to a certain degree is because I think we all are kind of, we kind of tend to stick with what we know and mm -hmm. we kind of tend to like pick things that we might like. And so I even, I went all the way through. I said, I want to finish this. I want to see where it goes. I want to make sure that I have a somewhat informed opinion because I actually did want to put it down about a third of the way through. Cause mm -hmm. I was like, ugh. But I did, I did get all the way through, and ultimately, um, it would have been much better as a really, really tight, um, like novella or short hmm. or collection of short stories. Maybe like all the characters individually are interesting, but like the way she develops them is, is like lackluster. Um, and uh, I think they're actually kind of nice uh, beside each other as a way to kind of a study in in giving yourself a little more. A little more freedom, a little more artistic freedom. I love the cover of Atomic Storybook. Yes, it's very colorful. And you know what? Um, I posted the trailer on, on Facebook.com slash Art Support. I don't know if we've mentioned that we have a Facebook yet. Yes, and a Twitter, <laughs> CITR underscore Art Support. And the funny thing is about promoting the Facebook is that ultimately it's because I really do like giving away tickets. And I, and I like being able to connect people with that content. So I want to make sure people are getting at it. Get our tickets. Um, so, um, uh and it's this really like dark trailer, but it's actually quite darkly funny because it's um, it's very ironic, you know, the way these characters speak about themselves and then the way other people speak about them and the people who get together and and what happens. And there's a lot of really mythical figures in it. So that's Atomic Storybook, Ed McDonald uh, from Anvil Press. And you know what? Wait till summer and you're at the beach and then give accusation a try because I always do want people to do it myself. Myself, I didn't like it. Um, but, um, I think that if, um, if you, and, and the other thing I, I find sad is cause I really do like to promote female authors and I don't believe in, you know, 
down the hall the whole like oh women aren't as good um but this is just a coincidence but i do um always try to to make sure that i read the female authors that come across my desk and so i was like oh maybe this will be like interesting about like a like a a female in the justice system and then she's an investigative reporter because of course investigative reporting is like a very male-dominated field and it's like um ultimately she kind of comes across as just like over emotionally preoccupied with her like her man <laughs> you know like no. she's like oh i can't i just wish i just want to call david I just want to yeah. call him and talk to him but i can't i'm like oh i don't care about that i want to know more about this ethiopian circus what an amazing like <laughs> character you brought in um so that's that that's what i i read those books over my my winter vacation uh, i saw a couple of films i've been doing screening for the doxa um doxa coming which has got a lot of really great when's um, that that is in march it felt like it just happened doxa. i know well that's because it's so impactful it was really good i'm looking forward to it again mm-hmm. doxa. and um we definitely have some that's the um, documentary film festival yes indeed and uh, i know that there are some uh, there's actually some shows coming up that were part of i believe vif um coming up uh vic and flo saw a bear is coming up at the cinematheque as well and uh, there was another one that I wanted to mention. Oh, um, so there's Zev Asher uh, is coming uh, up. There's also um, a one coming up next week around the same time called um, Zombie Swim Meet. So <laughs> Zombie Swim Beat and other autobiographical Raxanalia film works by Rick's Raxlin. Uh, Rick Raxlin, um, January 30th, and it's the 25th anniversary of Horses in Winter, and it's Victoria-based artist Rick Raxlin. So um, that's something that we're going to be reviewing, as well as um, Canada's Top 10. So um, TIFF's Top 10 Choices of Film. Is there's going to be a, like a series at the Cinematheque. So it's weird. The Fire Hall and the Cinematheque just really caught my eye over the winter. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, they just seem to have some really, really great programming coming up. So the Toronto Film Festival's top picks. Yeah. Is the Grand Seduction in there? Well, let's l- look it up. Um, the other thing is that, um, so the York Theater opened over the, kind of over the holidays, okay. just before the holidays. So I'm interested to see um, what the cult will do with that. And the cult also has some really um, excellent programming coming I mean, up. There's so much stuff. That's what I realized over the last year. Yeah. You so know, Vancouver's Vic- really a lot is happening. So we, uh, it looks like there is Vic and Flo saw a bear. Um, and uh, the, we actually reviewed that, I think, on um, Jonathan Q reviewed that um, before the break. And uh, there's a short series, which I always try to get to because I love uh, shorts. And then also, um, this is one that I actually, um, I think, may have also screened at the. Um, maybe screening over at the Jewish Community Center, but When Jews Were Funny, um, which is a documentary from Alan Zweig. Um, and it's kind of like Jewish, it's kind of like a charming, kind of lighthearted look at uh, Jewish stand-up comedy, which I love comedy, so I'll probably see that one as well. But no, not the one you mentioned, Oh, that's too bad. Um, is that one of your, your picks for the year? Well, I haven't seen it, but mm. so I was hoping it would come through the theater. Um, Darn. next week, Thursday. So you're on the 15th yes, arts sir. report. Yes. Megan is hosting. And we are going, oh, you know what? We didn't talk at all about, we have time. So yeah, next week I'm going to be covering, um, so we're going to do club push. So that is what uh, we've decided to do you out there in radio land. Uh, we have decided to do, um, Oh goodness! That was me. That was that's nice. <laughs> the, cl- um, the club push yeah. is a uh, 
it's sort of a, a, a subset of the Push Performing Arts Festival. Yeah, so Club Push is like um, a place to... Pro- present more intimate kind of um and i and i feel super bad because i had a whole interview lined up so um uh it didn't didn't uh audio is a little messed up so that'll be up online in the next couple days so don't worry about that but it's it's to present more intimate um kind of multimedia experimental stuff that kind of works better in like a 200 person room people are drinking people are hanging out and also a kind of a a hub for the festival so um it's a place to go after the other shows they have late night um djs and drag performances tucked and plucked which we've covered on the show um is their gender failure we've covered ray spoon a bunch on the show so they're gonna be there and then you have some interviews coming up yeah i'm gonna uh interview Eric Rutherford from Ryberg Live. On so the 26th. On the 26th. Oh, he's on the 26th. The performance is on the 26th. Mm-hmm. I'll be covering it on the January 22nd and, show. And that's um, Zuzi Gardner. We've also had her on the show. Okay. And she's famous, isn't she? Yeah, well, she's, she's a San Francisco, like, feminist. She's local. Okay, Susie I'm thinking Gardner. someone else. That's a, yeah, but she is, she is super feminist. And, um, uh, and then uh, Tammy Chan, who I worked with at the Queer Arts Festival, who's also amazing. So it's going to be a really good show. And you're going to be talking. Um, you're going to be talking with uh, Ryerberg editor in chief Eric Rutherford. So what is the? Tell us a little bit about the show. It. Uh, it just. I don't. I'm not sure what the show is, but Ryerberg.com has been publishing online essays that take a modern form. So they broach subjects such as literature, movies, internet culture, celebrities, sex, sports, illness, self-image, and death. Um, so, so like lighthearted stuff, lighthearted stuff. And so I guess it uh, it's just a performance where the editor in chief, Eric Rutherford and guest speakers sort of have talks okay. and present YouTube videos and stuff. And I think they did a version of this last year as well that that went over really well. So we know it's it's tested. Yeah. It but it's, it's it like a format. Successful. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, and then we have, um, I have an interview with uh, Tanya, Tanya Marquardt and uh, Tim Carlson for Duets for One, which is on the 1st of February. And this is actually, um, and I have a, a full interview that will be airing on the 29th as well as online. But basically it is a, um, Tanya left Vancouver, she's a performance artist, um, a live performance artist, and she has, um, she had a um, runaway history. So she has a she was a runaway kid and she um, had some interesting experiences that she'll share um, in Vancouver and and kind of around here. And then she wound up um, recently moving to New York to do a master's of um, in memoir, memoir writing. I think I hate her. She's amazing. She's yeah. so great. And so she she did she she's writing the book. The pro- book is still in process. And she um, hooked up with Tim Carlson, who is the artistic producer of Conspiracy Theory. Um, not conspiracy sorry theater conspiracy i always call them conspiracy theater um uh, so theater conspiracy and they um have put together this kind of meta memoir called duets for one and it's based on the content but also the process of stray which is the memoir that she's writing and he um doesn't perform often but it's going to be like a, a rock poetry multimedia kind of experience with a very new york kind of edge and um they wrote some songs based on the the content so he is getting back into music so he's going to be talking a little bit about that as well 
Cool. So that's, so that's cool on the 15th. Um, so I'm going to be talking about that on the 29th. And then on the 15th, um, we are going to be talking to Vanessa Kwan from Swan Song for Cats, which is a, uh, a work with Vida Hille friend of CITR, CITR favorite, Vita Hille. And it's kind of like a opera spectacle. Um, the swan, They define the swan song, the tearjerker immediately preceding a character's death of re- or retirement in kind of like musical or opera terms, right? So, and this is for, um, for cats. And I mean, she's the person who did um, Do You Want What I've Got, a Craigslist cantata. So she's, so, um, and that is with um, the group Norma, which is led by Vanessa Kwan. So um, we will be talking with Vanessa uh, uh, for next week. Cool. Yeah. Next week on the 16th, Thursday the 16th at 6 o'clock, I'm filling in for Fleur Cooper, who's the host of Are You Aware? Oh, cool. Yeah, that would be great. That's a great fit. She's been in Australia for like three months, so I did one show for her. Mm -hmm. And so this one coming up, I'm going to call it Punk Rock and Psychopaths. Awesome. So raising awareness about just punk rock as a political genre, I guess. Mm And uh, then talking about psychopaths, there are many psychopaths in our midst, 1% of people, they think. So I just read this really great book over the holidays called The Wisdom of Psychopaths. So I'm going to talk about that. And Is, Have you read the, I, I listened to a This American Life about uh, the psychopath test. Have you read that one? Uh the psychopath test it's something is the like name that. of the book? It's something like that. It's like basically this guy did research on what the test, like this this kind of institutionalized idea of like what a psychopath is and like the checklist. Yeah. And then he like applied it to people in real life and like interviewed them about it. Mm-hmm. So like uh, uh, they say that like corporates, like successful corporate CEOs and lawyers tend to be higher on the scale yeah for example yeah they also say media people are very high mm-hmm. and yeah journal journalists yeah anyone who i think maybe has to take the truth in their own hands in one way or another <laughs> you know what i mean and and there's a bit of ego yeah. in there too i mean to get up and say hey everyone which is what we've been doing for an yeah. hour we've just been talking about yeah. stuff we think about yeah but uh, i don't think we're psychopaths well though. tune in because just we're ladies with mics we're not psychopaths no. um but tune I'm in because there's a lot of uh you know <laughs> a lot of issues around that that are interesting um and i'm definitely gonna kind of delve into that and there's an interesting song i'm gonna play um called gary gilmore's eyes gary gilmore is a famous psychopath who as his final words asked for his cataracts to be donated like this bizarre final request to be donated so somebody received his cataracts after he was executed Wow. Um, so they're walking around with his eyes. With Gary Gilmore's eyes. So this punk band, I can't remember the name now, um, wrote a song called Gary Gilmore's Eyes. So I'm going to play it on next Thursday. I'm See, now that's that. like ego. Because the eyes are the window to the soul, I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 So he basically wanted to live on. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, that sounds really, really interesting. So when is that date again? Uh, Thursday the 16th at 6 to 7.30. Great. And then um, I'll be there on the 22nd. And then you'll be going over to the Zev Asher. Uh, I'll be going to Zev Asher. Oh, yes, I'll be. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I will be there, Zev, after. Yeah. I guess I'll miss the earliest show, which starts at 6. Well, yeah, it's like yeah. a whole series, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And, you know, they, they let you pop in. Um, I think I, the only thing I, uh, else I wanted to say just about Club Push before we wrap up for the day is that um, there's lots of great shows at Push. I love Push. We're always big 
um, push fans here at the Arts Report. But, you know, um, Club Push is really kind of, it tends to be more local. It tends to be more of a, like, it tends to be a little more rock. It tends to be a little more DIY. It tends to be a little more rough, but also a lot. The atmosphere is a little more intimate, and it's it's usually really local. And I and I thought with so many things to choose from, and with so many other amazing arts events going on, that focusing on club pushes this series would be very up our alley. So we mm-hmm. decided to do that, um, and so we'll be focusing on that. That being said, to all our all all the people who are interested in becoming members at CITR, hanging out with us at the Arts Report, um, that we, uh, you know, if you ever want to become a member and review some shows that like push or whatever, like it's up to you. You can come and say, "Hey, I want to review the show," and I'll say yeah you can and then <laughs> after you get your training <laughs> exactly <laughs> um and so yeah so but this year club push all the way and you know um like our facebook page yeah like our facebook page and um sarah it was lovely just chatting just i know we, to we, hang out we should do much. it like like once in a while yeah it's be, really fun because we connect we're alternating now um and because just, we're just we're we're media moguls you know we got a lot of stuff we're going busy on. but you know you're so dedicated i mean i just wanted to say <laughs> that like you you like not only do you co-host the show but you do all the other stuff all the organizing megan is like the master of email and <laughs> facilitating things and i just it makes it possible for me to do it there's a quote i put um on my facebook page i think and I think I'm going to add to my resume. And it's Sheena from Mint Records told me in, uh, at a party that she really liked my emails from <laughs> my mass emails when I used to be the ad coordinator here. Now, here's a little turn of events. So Anna Garza, Anna Elena Garza, is our new ad coordinator. And she used to be the producer of the Arts Report. And she's the founder of Discorder Radio. Oh, wow. So I just want to do a little shout out to her. Welcome Hello. back into the fold. They never let you go. Yeah, like, right. I quit a job here and I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crank it away it's so amazing yeah um okay i think i think we're done for the day we had a nice chat we went over time we started late we went over time just like um because you know what i like to do what i want i know yeah we're ladies with my quest yes please do the main i i don't see it on the website here but um i believe she's playing as sort of the one of the main stage performers at the push festival sorry about that is tanya tagak the throat singer. She's oh. from up north. And maybe we could play one as an outro. I would really like to go see her. I've been wanting. And she always sells out. Okay. Well, you know what? On that note, as per request from uh, my lovely and equally capable um, <laughs> yeah. co-host. You know, I just bring you on for the compliments. <laughs> and, the, and the goth moodiness. The goth <laughs> laid-backness. Um, uh, we are going to have uh, a few minutes uh, from... Um, Tanya Tagak. Now, here's an improvised performance. So let's let's try a little bit from this. This has been the Arts Report on CITR 101.9. Thank you so much for listening, um, and thank you to um, everyone we talked about today. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Ha 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 
Yeah, 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 yeah